0: Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. Before we jump into today's uh, fun topic, we're going to talk about uh, Thanksgiving traditions and uh, cooking and answer your cooking questions with the team from uh, our segment Bread and Butter. Uh, A couple, actually three emails have come in that I want to uh, share with you. Uh, The first is a very brief email responding to the program on Monday. Monday we revisited a program featuring Mary Dixon, uh, who's uh, a longtime um, PBS figure, but also a downwinder, an activist for downwinders. We talked about the anniversaries of Hiroshima and Nagasaki, also the uh, nuclear testing and downwinder legacy. Kristen St. George uh, sent a link to an interesting um, video on YouTube, uh, which I believe you can get to by just uh, Googling the title or going to YouTube and searching. Uh, The the piece is, the video is, the movie that accidentally killed almost half of its cast. And the movie that Chris is referring to is The Conqueror, uh, starring John Wayne, Susan Hayward, and others. And that movie uh, did, uh, that was filmed in Utah around the time of the, you know, the the nuclear testing. And uh, approximately half its cast uh, got cancer and and died uh, in subsequent years. Um so that's the movie that accidentally killed almost half of its cast. You can search for that and uh, find that movie. Thanks for that uh, Chris. Um then I got a couple of emails uh, coming after our program about COVID long haulers. Uh this was on Thursday of last week. We talked with three uh folks who are still experiencing symptoms sometimes severe from having had COVID uh, back in March uh some of these up to 8 months uh, later so uh, this is from Kerry. Kerry says good morning i've been listening to your broadcast this morning thank you for doing this story for us to get our stories out there the more information the public has we're hoping the better care we may receive i contracted COVID 19 in january before anyone really knew what we were dealing with my symptoms were pretty severe and i ended up in the hospital four times in a period of a couple of weeks the post-covid long hauler symptoms have been severe at times also Seems there are new symptoms almost every few days. We figure it's the virus going through every organ and system of the body. There are days, most of them, where the fatigue is so debilitating that it's impossible to function at all. There is, uh, as she says, thank you for the broadcast. That's uh, Carrie. And then this uh, email from uh, Karen, it's uh, quite lengthy, so I will uh, telescope this a bit, but I want to get Karen's story out. Uh, Karen says, I'm 63, I have sleep apnea, overweight, have type 2 diabetes. Uh, So my family and myself were trying to be extremely careful. I tested positive uh, in July of uh, this year, uh, symptoms starting about July 23rd. Some of those, I'll skip a bit here, became extremely exhausted and then the body aches hit, every joint hurt. I also was having a hard time feeling like I was getting enough air. And eventually uh, made it to my bed, laid down, turned on my CPAP machine, thinking it would help with the breathing. It didn't make any it any easier. I remember thinking that if I fell asleep, I wasn't going to wake up. I tried to stay awake. And again, felt like if I fell asleep that I wasn't going to wake up. I wanted to go and get my husband, but didn't have enough energy to even get out of bed. And when I tried to call him to come inside, it was basically a whisper. I just said a short prayer that I would wake up somehow, uh, but if I was in trouble, my husband would be prompted to come and check on me. Then the headaches hit. Felt like the worst sinus headaches and migraine combination I ever had. Nothing helped. They subsided after a couple of days. Then I felt like I was getting a kidney stone on my right side. If I laid on my left side, I got nauseous. If I stayed on my right side, it hurt more. I went for the pain. Uh, skipping a little bit ahead uh, uh, further, I started having brain fog. Couldn't remember simple things. Lost my thoughts in mid-sentence. Uh, then uh, she said she lost, no, she lost her sense of smell. That was her oh crap, I have COVID moment, Karen says. Uh, I never really thought I might be experiencing COVID-19 because I didn't know anyone who had it. She goes on to say the family had been trying to be very careful. Masks on, distancing, wiping down surfaces, etc., etc., Almost four months on, I have more headaches than I ever had before. My body aches, uh, get body aches easier, I have trouble getting dizzy easily. It's never happened before. Not exhausted, but no energy to do much of anything. Get worn out, uh, getting ready for work. Brain fog is still an issue. Um, she says she has a, a good doctor, thankfully, and uh, gets tested. Uh, she says, hopefully no permanent damage. But COVID-19 is a different beast. It's real and it can happen to anyone. I think I was really lucky not ending up in the hospital, but I think I came pretty close to needing to be there. One of my coworkers who tested positive last week said it best when she said COVID 19 is like the flu on steroids. I think it pretty much sums up what uh, your experience might be with COVID 19. So thanks for sharing that, uh, Karen. Keep those coming to upraccess at gmail.com. Welcome to Access Utah. Well, Thanksgiving is traditionally a time when extended family gathers together. This year, many of us will be gathering in smaller groups. There might be some Zooming going on, but many of our traditions will endure, hopefully, and uh, and the food will probably be just as delicious. We're asking you today about your traditions and your plans in this unusual year, and you can ask your cooking questions as well. You can reach us by email to upraxcess at gmail.com, upraxcess at gmail.com throughout this hour. Laila Gilbert and Jen Ashton from UPR's Bread and Butter segment are joining us for the hour. We'll also hear from the third member of the team, Tanya Gibson, uh, later in this hour. And we're going to hear in this hour from Stephen Dewey and Gino Shoup, who are uh, professors at Utah State uh, University. So we welcome in uh, Laila Gilbert. Uh, welcome back to the program.
1: Hi, thanks for having good,
0: me. Good, good to have you uh, on the phone. We're trying to be safe. Um, and uh, Jen Ashton, welcome to the program.
2: Good morning.
0: Good morning to you. Um, well, I, I want to make sure we get questions in, so I want to jump in with a question we have received uh, earlier this morning. Um, so this is Chris in St. George. Uh, he says, uh, How can you make mashed potatoes the night before and not have them go funky by game time? Layla, Jen, you want to tackle that one?
1: Boy, that is a good question. And Jen and I were talking earlier, and we... Just uh, we are great eaters. (laughs) We're amazing at eating Thanksgiving dinner, and we are adept um, home cooks. Um, So we can speak from our experience, but I'll bet you there are more experienced people out there. So with that caveat, I think potatoes, Jen, correct me if you think you're wrong, if I'm wrong here. I think potatoes just have to be done the day of. I've never uh, found a successful way to do
2: them early. Mm, What do you think, Jen? Well, here's what I would throw out. I agree. I think day of is just going to be your best result. However, there are some different ways to keep them warm because it is hard to time everything just right. Uh, I know I've heard of people keeping them in a slow cooker uh, for, you know, a period of time the day of. Uh, I've even seen... And take a cast iron pot, put that in a skillet so that they don't burn on the bottom. So, there, there could be some different ways to just keep them warm and ready.
3: Okay. Yeah. That's yeah.
2: Great. Uh, I, I did
1: want to add that um, when you're making potatoes, I have found that um, it's better not to use a hand mixer to um, mash them. They, they tend to be lighter and fluffier for longer. If you rice them, and if if you don't have a ricer, what that is is basically a sieve that you push the potatoes through, and it creates kind of a, a gentle mash, and then you can fold in your butter and cream and what have you.
0: Yeah, that's that's um, yeah. So hopefully, Chris, that answers your question. I, I was I was wondering when I heard that. I thought I don't know if that's possible. You can even make them the night before. Um, so, Lail, you're saying uh, maybe not, and Jen is saying, but maybe you know maybe you could try just keep them warm. Uh, so, thanks for that question, uh, Chris. Um, and you can get your question or comment to us, uh, UPRaxis at gmail.com. I'm wondering about your traditions uh, as well. What what traditions are you keeping? What are you changing this very unusual year? Uh, UPRaxis at uh, gmail.com. Uh, so, I want to ask you that question to start. Uh, start with Lail Gilbert. Uh, are are you making changes this year?
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: <laughs> so,
1: this will be interesting to hear how how Jen is is doing things differently because we we come from really different families. Um, my the family I grew up in is non traditional. We we just didn't um, anchor ourselves in some of the more typical traditions. I guess on Thanksgiving, we often skip the turkey or um, some of the more traditional dishes just because. It, they weren't that important to us at the time. Um, I married into a different kind of family that takes the whole shebang very seriously. You need the turkey and all the sides. You never consider a ham. That would be silly on Thanksgiving. And um, you need the 20 sides, the potatoes and sweet potatoes and rolls and all the carbohydrates and the casseroles and four kinds of pies need to be on the table for it to be considered a real Thanksgiving. And, you know, over the years, we've kind of bounced back and forth between these um, two types of holidays. But I have to admit, this, this year, I am aching for a little stability. And so even though we're doing it smaller, we are doing the whole meal. We're doing the turkey and the sides and... Um, this will be a new experience for me. I have never hosted the turkey on my table before, so it'll be interesting.
0: Yeah, that's, uh, that resonates with me. You want some stability in this chaotic year, so maybe just the very traditional thing. Uh, Jen Ashton, what about you?
2: Yeah, well, and, and first of all, just a shout-out to all of those who are joining in on maybe first-time turkey roasters, you know, and being that host for that. Uh, i i had that experience my husband is the the cook at our house especially for company especially for holidays he has he worked as a sous chef he's got a lot of experience i took that on when he was deployed oh about 15 years ago and i remember being that first time turkey roaster. and I, I followed everything i could grinding it had a great experience but there's a lot of people out there that are probably doing that this year It is different for us this year. We do go for the whole shebang, plus some. Uh, Lael has teased us some in the past about having what we call lovingly the matrix in our family. My husband puts together a full multi-spreadsheet document that is shared among family with recipes, and it does include a lot of the usuals as well as some that are specific to our family. This year we are just our own little family at home and we may do some Zoom, some online games with family members from afar. Um, we did have a new experience last night. My daughter did a cook along making pie crusts with friends. So there are some new opportunities that are afforded in, in this unusual time that will make for some good memories.
0: Well, we do have uh, Stephen Dewey on the line. Uh, welcome, uh, you in uh, uh, emeritus professor of plant uh, science, USU College of uh, Agriculture. Uh, Stephen Dewey, welcome to the program. Good morning, thank you. G- good morning. Uh, so, uh, Lael suggests we invite you on. Uh, she says you you uh, your family does what you call a home harvest Thanksgiving feast. Uh, tell us about this.
4: Right, it's a it's a tradition we've had going for oh, I'd say. Nearly 30 years. Uh, we started it when our kids were young. Um, it's, uh, it's actually our second Thanksgiving. We, we usually hold this like maybe on the Monday before the traditional Thanksgiving. Um, it's a meal, a simple meal made up entirely of food items that we've either grown or gathered or harvested in some way as a family. Um, you know, we raise a big garden. Uh, we hunt and fish and we preserve a lot of food. So that's basically what we use as our sources of the, of the meal.
0: Interesting. What, uh, what, what, how, and when did this start?
4: Oh, like I said, maybe thirty plus years ago. Ah,
0: yeah. The kids were
4: small. Um, we started it because we just wanted to, to, you know, teach the kids from a very young age um, that food really doesn't come from a grocery store; it's not created there. Um, show them where it comes from, how how we get it. Um, appreciate the work and the sacrifice that's required to put food on the table. Um, instill them, you know, a sense of gratitude for what the the Earth provides, and and if you eat, uh, for example, if you eat meat, something has to die, and so, you know, all life is to be valued, and so it's just a, um, a lesson in in some life's
0: principles. Yeah, it sounds like a great great teaching opportunity. Uh, so I'm curious, did what did the kids think when you started this, and then and did did this do what you wanted it to do with with teaching the kids? <laughs>
4: Yeah, it actually it did. That pretty much wasn't um, too much of a different lifestyle for them. That's They were pretty much raised on those kinds of things, you know, garden produce and, and wild game and so forth. So it wasn't too new to them, but it was uh, putting it all together and and letting them understand that this is maybe different than some people experience and, and why we do it.
0: So, uh, Layla or Jen, do you have questions for Stephen Dewey?
2: I, I do. Well, I um, about the, the, can you tell me? You, so the, oh, go, go ahead, Jen. You have um, the p- potatoes, Some of the what people think is traditional for a Thanksgiving meal. What uh, have you added that might be not as common? That uh, maybe you you include foraging, or there's some interesting things locally that you've been able to add. Yeah,
4: well, just give an example. One of our more recent. Uh, Home harvest meals would have been like maybe uh, smoked salmon as an appetizer. And then for the main course, it would be an elk roast with uh, potatoes and carrots and onions. Uh, Maybe a side of baked squash, some green beans and corn, and homemade rolls with raspberry jam. All this is from, you know, the garden or whatever. And then some homemade grape juice from the garden, and then maybe an apple pie for dessert. So it's not, not your traditional turkey and, and gravy and stuffing, but it's a, it's a big meal and a lot of variety in it. And uh, I, I think the most important thing, well, what I think is important, is when we have it all set out on the table, then we go around the, the table and everyone has a chance to say what they did to put those items on the table. You know, we go around item by item. For example, like if we're having corn that day, you know, someone helped plant the corn, someone helped hoe the weeds, someone picked and husked the ears, someone cut kernels off the cobs, someone helped bag and freeze the corn. We go around and, and everyone gets to say what they did to help put that item on the table. And we do it item by item. So it's a, it, it just fo- focuses, I guess, focuses the family on where this all came from and and, and I think promotes in them a, a sense of accomplishment and pride and reminds them that everybody in that family is important and putting that meal together
1: and what's missing from the table um, that you that you can't access um, typically
4: well we miss when we're when we're doing it in its pure form and (laughs) I have to admit we don't do it so much that way anymore since it's just my wife and I but in the pure form we would miss uh, dairy products because we don't have a cow Um, we butter and cream and whipped cream those kind of things are missing um, but that's pretty much it we still you know we we, we use the basics like you know salt pepper uh, flour those kinds of things we we don't raise those ourselves but but yeah it's 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 pretty normal for our normal oh
1: because I, I was I was imagining you heading over to the salt flats and and sweeping some up to use for your meal. You don't do that, huh?
4: Well, actually we we've, we've done that. Just hmm. just okay. one We've <laughs> we you know, we've ground our own our own wheat and made our own flour. We've we've made our own butter from uh, from cream. You know, the kids do that. So, you know, they've done it at least once to experience it to see what it's like. But it's not every year anyway.
1: And
2: have you um, have
1: you your meat yourself or was that part of the experience or
4: I missed the first part of that.
1: Sorry do you do you um, do, do you raise animals or do you hunt hunt them?
4: We hunt we hunt them so it's, it's pretty much, um, and, and quite a wide variety. The, the, the meal di- differs every year, depending on you know what we hunted or harvested. Um, you know, I, for example, we we we've done moose and mountain goat and black bear. We've even done musk ox, uh, goose, duck, pheasant. One year we even tried a jackrabbit. My mom Hmm. mom had a a favorite story about Thanksgiving called the Thanksgiving jackrabbit, and I thought, oh, that sounds awful. So we (laughs) went out and got a jackrabbit one year, and, yeah, it was awful.
0: (laughs) Uh, I was going to ask, so it was awful. Okay. (laughs) It was awful, yeah. Yeah.
4: But we've done, you know, halibut and shrimp, crab. We've even done octopus one time. So, you know, and then in terms of the plants, we've done, oh, some foraging. We do, like, chokecherry or elderberry jam or jelly. We've done rosehip tea. We've tried a purslane salad or boiled dandelion greens. So yeah, we do that occasionally, but uh, they're not big hits, so we tend to focus back on the things that the, it's like better.
1: <laughs> That's great. Do you think you're, um, so you're a retired professor of plant science at um, Utah State University. Right. Um, do you think your expertise in plants at least played a part in motivating you to do this?
4: Yeah, yeah, it did. Um, and especially when it comes to uh, um, some of the the wild edibles, letting the kids know that, yeah, they are out there, um, but you need to know what you're doing. You know, there's a lot of lookalikes that you don't want to mess with. But, yeah, that was part of it.
0: Mm. Uh Stephen Dewey... I uh,
2: wonder as well what you would recommend to people who who don't have that background but are interested in, in bringing this into their experience as well?
4: Um, start simple. Um, you can buy some of the, the basic, more raw products at the grocery store and then involve the kids, the family, in, in processing and putting it together, you know, uh, mm-hmm. just so they can see that not, not... So you don't have to start with the end product. Let them see that there's some... some Processes involved in getting us to the table that they may not have been aware of before. Well,
0: that's that's wonderful. Yeah, that's that's great. Did I hear did I hear you correctly at the beginning of our conversation? Um, you said this is a separate. You do this separately, and then you, yep. do you do you have a kind of a more traditional Thanksgiving feast later on.
4: Oh yeah, we have the tr- we have the traditional one on on the Thursday traditional Thanksgiving, and yeah, that's the full <laughs> the full the full meal. Um, but this one is separate, just for the sole purpose, like I said, of, of helping the kids understand and remind them that, you know, this, this food does not begin at the grocery store.
0: Yeah, that's wonderful. It's, and it, it's not, you know, it puts a meaning behind, uh, you know, behind what you're eating right. and, and, uh, right. and uh, wonderful lessons you've, you've taught your kids. Well, uh, Stephen Dewey, uh, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure talking to you. My pleasure. Stephen Dewey is emeritus professor of plant science in the USU College of uh, Agriculture. So, uh, joined us to talk about his family's tradition of home harvest, Thanksgiving feast. Uh, let's take a break. When we come back, we'll have more uh, with Lil Gilbert and Jen Ashton. They're uh, uh, two of the uh, three uh, contributors, producers of uh, UPR's uh, bread and butter segment, uh, which, by the way, you can hear is a part of the Splendid Table on Sundays, I want to put a plug in for that to make sure you tune in and you can find bread and butter on our website, upr.org. Uh, so we are going to take a break. We'll come back. And when we come back, we will hear from the third member of the team, uh, Tanya Gibson, who has recorded a piece, uh, especially for this, this program. More following this break. We hope you join us Friday for a Brains On special, The Science of Cooking. In partnership with America's Test Kitchen Kids, Brains On, a science podcast for kids and curious adults from APM, will break down four elements essential to cooking. Mix, chop, heat, and chill. Special guests will include Francis Lamb from The Splendid Table and various America's Test Kitchen hosts and contributors. And we hope you'll join us as well, Friday morning at 9.
5: Programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our members. And support also comes from USU Student Media, now accepting votes for the Best of Logan contest where the community can vote for a favorite food place, car dealership, or whatever. The survey can be found at usustatesman.com slash bestoflogan.
0: Holiday programming on UPR is made possible by Intermountain Healthcare. It's still important to stay safe from the virus during the holidays. Please continue to practice social distancing and be diligent about hand hygiene. Take back control. Information at intermountain.com slash COVID-19. Thanks for listening to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. Uh, we we're talking about Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving traditions, food. We could accommodate your cooking questions. Uh, you can reach us a couple of ways, upraccess at gmail.com or email upraccess at gmail.com or you could call us, 800-826-1495, toll free, 800-826-1495. We have with us for the hour Lale Gilbert and Jen Ashton, who along with Tanya Gibson uh, produce our UPR's uh, segment, Bread and Butter, which you can hear uh, during the Splendid Table on Sundays here on UPR. Um, uh, coming up uh, quickly, we will hear from uh, Tanya Gibson, the third member of the team. And uh, still to come, we'll be hearing from uh, Gino Shoup, uh, another USU professor, and uh, but advertised to us. And I, I think I knew this as well before you suggested this, Leo uh, Gino's, a, a, I think you called him an epic epicurean. So we'll, I'll be interested to hear, right. from, hear from Gino. Uh, yes. Uh, so but first, we uh, want to... Uh, bring in Carl in St. George. Uh, Carl, glad you called.
6: Happy Thanksgiving, folks.
0: Happy Thanksgiving to you.
6: Thank you. My comment comment concerns uh, tradition and giving thanks. I was doing some math and looking at the number of meals that we eat in a year, 365 days a year and figuring three meals a day. That's 1,095 meals, and uh, most of us, I would dare say, every one of those meals are a banquet compared to the way the rest of the world eats, and you think that we give thanks. It seems, I don't want to say it's degenerated, but the tradition has been focused around food, and uh, we get together, and the typical Thanksgiving dinner, at least if, if you're like my family, is we get together and we gorge ourselves, and then after we've done that, we go in and flop down on the couch and belch a couple of times and turn the football game on and go to sleep on the couch. And I thought, you know, is that really giving thanks? Is, that's what it, is that what it's all about? And someone says, well, no, it's really about getting together with the family, I said that's fine, but the way that this thing is uh, has uh, the, the way that tradition has gone, we pride ourselves, we puff our chest, chest out cuz we can go down to the Salvation Army or the, one of the local churches and stand on one side of the table and hand out food for this one great big meal a year out of 1095 meals. It seems to me that the way to really give thanks to think about our blessings, is to fast. Yes, I said fast. Hmm. When you think about it, especially this year when we can't get together as families, the way I get closer to my Maker is through fasting, not through gorging myself. And as a result, Thanksgiving Day to me, it causes me to really reflect on everything that I have that, uh, that one day reminds me that, that I don't have. And there's very few things that I don't have. And I think it's the same way with many Americans. Hmm. So I was just, uh, uh, reflecting on how do you really give thanks? Is it by this gorging ourselves? And like I say, we watch a football game or whatever. If you fast, maybe do something for somebody else. Um, uh, it certainly means more than than uh, thinking about all the things we do have, which we have every day, all the year through. Mm. That's my comment. Is uh, Thanksgiving Day? It seems like could be well served if it was a fast day. Well,
0: thank you, thank Carl. You. Thank you. Appreciate that that comment. And uh, that, that's yeah. That I think we need that um, to 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 remind and us that I... it's Thanksgiving, right? <laughs>
1: Yeah, what I love about Thanksgiving is its flexibility too. That people make it meaningful for themselves, however they choose to do that. Um, and he had some great ideas. I I would propose that for those of us who choose to feast on Thanksgiving, that a great way to show thanks is to do the dishes after the meal and um, participate in uh, that family ritual as much as anything else.
0: Yeah, and what, what Carl said resonated with me. That's, that's often been my Thanksgiving day, you know, feast, gorge, couch, football, fall asleep. And, and, and as he says, we're in there is, is giving thanks, so that's that's a good point. Uh, any comment, uh, Jen, that you have on this?
2: I think I, I agree that I think it's wonderful to, to have it bring meaning in whatever way um, works for you. I love that Steve with his family has that home harvest. Um, we have this example of fasting that there's no one way, and there's no for those that decide to feast. There's no one meal that's that's right. I mean, we have plenty of vegan friends who. Um, follow different traditions than those that talk about the turkey so it's just finding that that meaning in a way that works for all of us
0: well it's uh we're talking this whole hour with Lil gilbert and uh, jen ashton uh there's a third member of the bread and butter team tanya gibson and uh, she's provided a, a piece especially uh, for for us here in this program let's uh let's hear that uh, next
7: Thanksgiving truly is my favorite holiday. Going from my parents' home to the anything-goes, trying to find footing in between years of young adulthood, and then settled into our married-with-kid traditions, each iteration brought its own type of joy. This year, well, this year fits into a category of one. I'm at least hoping it's just one. All on its own. This year, instead of two Thanksgiving dinners, the first populated with smoked turkey And my brother-in-law's melt-in-your-mouth stuffing and pies lined like soldiers in front of the rock hearth in the kitchen. And the fullest house with people moving in and out, talking, catching up, laughing. And the second full of fruit salad in my handed-down bowl of my mother's. Mashed potatoes and chips and veggies and dip. And again, pies lined on my sister's kitchen bar waiting to be eaten while we pile at the table, playing games and stuffing ourselves silly. Each of these dinners happen a week apart. Each of these dinners are looked forward to all year. Each of these dinners will be missed this year. This year, all of the food for one dinner only will be cooked and prepped. But instead of piled high, it will be split and dropped off. My husband will spend the evening before making rolls and picking up our ordered pies from our favorite local bakery, An act that seemed more important than baking our favorites from scratch this year. The day will be full of assembly and sorting and a quick trip to a nearby town, running half the food into the home we normally pile into easily and often until we return from that drop-off and find ourselves at home alone for the holiday. A first since those young adult finding our footing in between years. Those years seem long ago and far away, and in the case of my kid, non-existent in memories. One of the blessings 2020 has left behind is time. We've been able to solidify familial bonds and the end of those tethers in my home have sprouted from the kitchen. We have a vague rule in our home that everyone is in the kitchen at dinnertime helping. Helping cooking, helping serving, helping cleaning. Thanksgiving this year will simply mean a longer day of those tightening kitchen tethers. I've been reading a lot about the 1918 pandemic. Similarities are hard to ignore. Masks, quarantines, stay-at-home orders. It turns out this time, it's all very everything old is new again after all. In Salt Lake, residents were under quarantine for Thanksgiving. According to the then-Deseret Evening News, Thanksgiving 1918 was celebrated quietly and within dedicated households only, which is exactly what we're being asked of for Thanksgiving 2020, I won't lie, it's somehow comforting to know that the state has seen this situation before and will most likely see it again. We're in a cycle that is definitely tough, and I often wish I could speak to those who managed kids and loneliness and smaller meals that Thanksgiving a century ago. What were those homes doing? Were they reaching out, making sure the less fortunate were taken care of, or their favorite bakery had an extra order to help through the uncertainty? Were they cooking beginning the day before in order to split meals with family that had to be separated, not by miles, but by virus? Were favorites steady and standard, potatoes heaped in hand-me-down bowls and pies lined by the hearth, or was food curtailed and subdued, matching the mood of the world under threat? I wonder, of course. I wonder and I imagine, but my mind tends to wander and think a little more about the next year, Thanksgiving 1919. What was that year like? What were they grateful for then? What showed up on tables and in kitchens when the world was once again spinning a little easier? When friends and family could once again meet, what was that year like? Did they take the lessons learned with them or fall easily back into traditions of the before times? What did they do to reach out in gratitude that year? What did they do to reach out to friends and to family? Did it feel extra? Was feeling heightened? or had they truly moved on, like we're wont to do when threat ends, when trouble eases, when trial is over? What did they do? What did they make? How did they gather? All of this is on my mind this year. This year where two big dinners have fallen to one, where pies are being outsourced hoping it helps, where traditions have altered, and we're home with far less people and laughter gathered around. We'll be eating and feeling full, playing games and giving thanks, but we'll also be hoping for a little bit of easier air next year. This is Tanya Gibson for Bread and Butter.
0: You're listening to Access Utah. That's, of course, Tanya Gibson, a member of the team of uh, UPR's Bread and Butter segment, which you can hear during uh, the Splendid Table on uh, Sundays here on UPR. Uh, I want to get uh, a quick reaction to uh, to Tanya's piece. Let's start with Jen Ashton. What what did you think?
2: A couple things, uh, first of all, stand out to me. What an interesting idea, to think, for Thanksgiving 2021, just as she was looking back to what happened in 1919. What were they thankful for? What were their lessons learned? What did they carry with them? What um, what What a great thought for us right now, where we are in being in unique situation many of us haven't seen before and and being uh, in our homes most likely celebrating on our own and seeing it as gratitude having gratitude for knowing that that is a temporary situation and just using this time to enjoy the differences that it brings and look and know that Thanksgiving 2021 will probably look different but hopefully carry on things with us.
0: Um, Laila Gilbert, what do you think?
2: Oh,
1: wasn't that beautiful? That was. I, um, I I I loved hearing that, and I loved the idea that um, you make traditions work for your circumstances, like Tanya is this year. You you make things um, meaningful and fun and interesting. Um, and we can do that this year, too. Even even though things are different, there is um, gratitude and connection and um, new traditions to be had.
0: Yeah, uh, beautiful piece, Tanya. Thank you for providing that. Uh, we do have uh, on the line now, uh, Gina Shoup, who's Professor of Wildland Resources in the USU-Quinney College of Natural Resources. And I guess more to the point for this program, uh, Gino Shoup, uh, Epicurean. That's so how Lael describes you. Welcome to the program.
3: Thanks. Good morning, everybody. Good,
0: good morning. Good morning. Good to have you on. Uh, so tell us about your, uh, 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 first of all, uh, any changes to your uh, Thanksgiving uh, plans this year?
3: Oh, yeah. Uh, I grew up with traditional Thanksgiving, uh, Southern-style uh, Thanksgiving Um, But it's been a very long time since I've had that. I'm almost always in Spain in November working. uh, And it's not exactly Turkey land, so for decades now our Thanksgiving tradition has actually been going to Casa Ruperto and getting the marinated fried quail, our little Mm. pavitos. Um, But they won't let me into Spain this year um, because of COVID, so I have not had a at-home traditional Thanksgiving in decades. Uh, So we're actually hunkered down in a cabin on the Russian River in Sonoma County, California. And our Thanksgiving is going to be a day of driving up the Sonoma and Mendocino coasts and enjoying the Pacific and all of that, and then getting back here at night, and we brought along some home-smoked uh, Red Bourbon Heritage Turkey that I smoked back in September.
0: Oh, wow, that, that sounds great. <laughs> My mouth is watering. Um, so, uh, um, Leo, do you have uh, questions for Gino?
1: Yeah, Gino is, in, in, ad- in addition to just being an interesting chef and eater, he is an expert on wine. And um, I wanted to ask him this, you know, turkey, the, the meal can be really tricky with a turkey because it's not just the turkey. It's the turkey and the gravy and the stuffing, and um, usually you're trying to please a wide audience. How do you, how do you pair wine with turkey?
3: That's, um, you get you one of the keys right there. You're not pairing just with turkey, but you have to think about everything else that's going on there. Uh, A real Thanksgiving spread is going to have so many different flavors and textures and some sweet, some savory. Uh, But there are some generally uh, accepted guidelines for that type of a meal. Um, But to start with, we're not big sticklers on rules. Um, When it comes to wine pairing, ultimately, you should drink what you like. Um, because you're not trying to impress someone with your knowledge. What you're trying to do is have a very pleasurable meal. Um, Given that, however, um, there are some things to think about. You don't really want a big, really tannic wine with turkey. Uh, there's just not going to be enough fat to tame those tannins, so save that for a heartier meal. Uh, but what you do want is a wine with good acidity in there because it's going to keep it fresh and crisp and keep your palate cleansed so you're ready to taste that next bite of whatever you're digging into after you swallowed the previous bite. Um some classic suggestions with white wines would be uh, a Chardonnay, not one that's too big and oaky, but it's going to have some you know, some stone fruits in there, maybe some apple and some minerality, uh, a little bit of richness, but again, you don't want one that's too buttery uh, or it can overpower the food. Uh, something like a J. Lord Riverstone or Morgan Highland would be great. Another classic would be Sauvignon Blancs. Um, they're going to be a different profile, They're crisp, citrusy, uh, have good acidity, uh, really fresh tasting, maybe a little grassy, uh, some good minerality on it, uh, maybe even some Asian pear in there. And they're really good examples of both California and New Zealand, um, New Zealand uh, Sauvignon Blancs. Uh, one that not everyone thinks of, but a number of people think goes great with poultry in general, are good rosés. Uh, this is not uh, uh, older-style American sweet blush wine, uh, but a more European-style big, fresh fruit in the mouth, like strawberry, um, maybe some melon and guava. Uh, and a crisp, dry finish, sometimes with a little pepperyness to it. And, again, we have good representations of that in Utah, uh, both California, well, in Australia, uh, South America, and, of course, France, where they were perfected, and Spanish as well. Uh, Moving on to the reds, uh, our favorite for pairing is uh, Simbendale, sometimes called America's Grape. Uh, not because it's from America, but because of all the world, it really found its home in California uh, with Italian immigrants from the 1800s. Uh, and they go really well with turkey because they got this jammy, juicy fruit up front, uh, but a good, crisp, spicy backbone of black pepper uh, and a good, again, good acidity that keeps your tongue fresh and. There's great examples of that. I'd highly recommend the Sagazio Sonoma County or the Buckland-Bambino Field Blend. Um, A lot of people like Pinot Noirs, um, the cherry berry flavors with spicy notes, um, more white pepper than black pepper like you have on the Simbendale, a little chocolate, earth, maybe some tobacco, mushroom, forest floor. Uh, They can be complex and very good with, with poultry. And then the last thing I'd mention is uh, one of Janice and my um, personal favorites. Um, it goes well, but partly it's just the timing. is just so perfect, like they're made for each other. The Beaujolais Nouveaux. Uh, so this is from France, just south of the Pinot Noir, Burgundy region. Um, and they the nouveau or new Beaujolais um, means that what's in the store right now was harvested and invented this fall. So it's a young, fresh wine. Uh, It's light and fruity, Um, things like plum and dark berries, really fresh tasting. Um, But the timing we like is we know Thanksgiving comes the fourth Thursday of November every year. The release of Beaujolais Nouveau that all Paris has been waiting for for months and months is the third Thursday of November. Uh, so again, it's like they were paired for each other. Uh, so those are some things to think about. But again, um, drink what you like. Uh, you're supposed to be having a great meal for your taste, not for what I think you should be drinking.
2: Mm. Interesting. <laughs> That's-
1: Great. Hey, Gina, one one more question. I know a lot of people this year, rather than going big, they're going more intricate and um, complex, sophisticated dishes um, as far as food. Do you have a a category of food that you'd recommend people can jump in and try that's maybe a more complex category, but might be a fun exercise in, in cookery?
3: Wow. Um, if you want to go, you know, use something a little traditional, but an extra step, um, scale down to a chicken. You don't have much time to get prepared for this, but you can scale down to a chicken uh, and do something out of the box, like uh, think Indian with butter chicken or uh, roasted in yogurt, for example, um, or a Korean-style uh lathered with gochujang for a nice spicy crust after it's baked and roasted. Um, Or, you know, our daytime meal tomorrow is just going to be an amazing charcuterie plate with uh, creminale sausages from Utah, Rock Hill cheeses from Utah, uh, some homemade uh, pâtés like a black olive uh, fig pâté, you, you go anyway. Um, there's just so many wonderful flavors in the world out there. The traditional stuff is great, but you don't have to stick with it.
0: Uh, Jen Ashton, I wonder if you have a, a question for Gino Shoup.
2: Well, I love the idea of, uh, first of all, just thank you for sharing some knowledge. and that The idea that you drink what you like, and it sounds like eat what you like, but enjoy and explore the flavors. I'm wondering what... Uh, a most memorable uh, experience or food experience from this time of year for you? Does anything pop up? I mean, you've had a variety of places you've lived and, um, and food that you've tried.
3: Boy, that's a tough one. My, uh, my life is one constant adventure after another. Um, <laughs> traditions are to be broken. <laughs> Um yeah, it's hard to say uh, at this time of year um, what's special. I, I've spent Thanksgiving in lots of different countries, eaten lots of different things over my life.
0: Yeah, the, the, what an interesting experience. And the, thanks for sharing your knowledge with us. Thank you so much. My
3: pleasure. Glad to talk to you.
0: Gino Shu, Professor of Wildland Resources in the USU Quinney College of Natural Resources uh, and uh, food and wine expert. Thanks. I appreciate it. Uh, well, uh, uh, Laila and Jen, we just have about four minutes left in the program. I just want to get some takeaways, maybe starting with uh, Jen Ashton. What um, for, From this whole discussion and then what you're planning for for this Thanksgiving, what would you suggest to folks? Well,
2: what. What an interesting uh, hour this has been to hear from from uh, these professors uh, from Utah State that bring in all kinds of experiences from all over, uh, the idea of the home harvest and how they've created that as a, a tradition within their family. I love the um, feeling of gratitude that it brought in my heart just listening to their experiences and And harvesting, and then talking, going around the table, and working as a family to enjoy that meal together. Um, In whatever way people choose to celebrate, um, you know, we have the example from Carl, the caller, of of fasting. But whatever way they choose to celebrate, to to use the time together, to be grateful. tradition to to enjoy the traditions the flavors the memories that that brings especially as it becomes into grandma's dishes i know we will be it wouldn't be thanksgiving in our family without kind of a unique dish with we call cheesy carrots (laughs) it's a a dish that has starts as a a roux and has cheese integrated with parboiled carrots cooked as a casserole and it doesn't sound that appetizing but it is one of the best dishes that we have that cries Thanksgiving to us, um, and there's always certain people that are, are are people to bring it and make it. Um, this year, I'll be you know thinking of my sister who usually brings that, probably zooming calling her mm-hmm. and and making sure I'm making it right so so enjoy this unique thanksgiving and um, and and possibly. Invite, in, in, integrate some new traditions from this year.
0: Wonderful. Uh so we'll give you the last word. You have about a minute left.
1: Oh, well I'm gonna I'm gonna end on something a little more mundane for those uh, first time turkey cooks just don't uh, forget to take the neck and the giblets out of the turkey. <laughs> <laughs> I know I made that mistake before, and I have talked to several people who made the same thing. They're both in there. They don't. You don't think they are, but they're in there, and you have to look around it and take them out before you cook the bird. And finally, you know what? Gravy covers up a lot of mistakes. So jump in, enjoy the experience, and em- embrace the new. Um, embrace the mistakes, and make a lot of gravy.
0: Wonderful. Well, we'll leave it there. Uh, It's been a wonderful hour. Thank you so much. Lyle Gilbert uh, from uh, UPR's Bread and Butter. Uh, By the way, Splendid Table, Sundays at noon, and you can hear the uh, Bread and Butter segment uh, during that program, Sundays at noon. Lael Gilbert, thank you so much.
2: Absolutely. Uh,
0: Jen Ashton, also from Bread and Butter, thank you so much.
2: Thank
0: you. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. We thank Tanya Gibson, who's the third member of the team, and also Stephen Dew and Gino Shoup, USU professors, for, for joining us. And uh, thank you for joining us for Access Utah, and uh, happy Thanksgiving to, to you all.
5: Programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our members and Silicon Slopes Magazine, focused on Utah tech and startup industries, supporting good causes that affect us all. Information about weekly town hall meetings or advertising in the magazine at siliconslopesmagazine.com, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Support also comes from USU Student Media, now accepting votes for the Best of Logan contest, where the community can vote for a favorite food place, car dealership, or whatever. The survey can be found at usustatesman.com bestoflogan.
6: Thanksgiving, like all the other holidays, my parents' house was an opportunity to gather a lot of waifs together.
0: We'll gather together with conductor Michael Tilson-Thomas for funny memories and Beethoven's Song of Thanksgiving, plus poets Rita Dove and Ted Kooser, and healing sounds from Brooklyn Rider. I'm John Burge with music and stories for Thanksgiving. It's Giving Thanks from APM American Public Media. Join us on Thanksgiving Day, 9 a.m. here on Utah Public Radio. Hey, it's Francis Lamb. This year, Thanksgiving is going to be a little different for a lot of us, but one thing remains for sure. Our annual Turkey Confidential. It's culinary triage on Thanksgiving Day. We'll answer your cooking questions with our incredible guests, Samin Nosrat, Jacques Pepin, Mike Solomonov, and Sola Elwevi. That's Turkey Confidential on Thanksgiving Day from 8 p.m. Thanksgiving Day beginning at 10 a.m. here on Utah Public Radio.
5: As the pandemic continues, many of us are thinking of new creative ways to stay connected during the upcoming holiday season. That's why Utah Public Radio and Cash Community Connections have put together a Gathering of Gratitude, a special Thanksgiving program featuring reflections and music from religious and civic organizations. This Sunday at 5 p.m., tune into UPR to join your community in hearing uplifting messages and music and expressing gratitude.